The Cultured Meat Symposium 2023 is taking place on November 2nd and 3rd, 2023 in Las Vegas. Join us as we discuss topics of product development and manufacturing of cell-cultivated meat, poultry, and seafood technology. This year, we're doing things a little bit differently, waiving attendee fees and distributing tickets on an application basis. You heard that right. Pre-register for the event to get the latest updates on how you can secure your ticket. Learn more about the event and pre-register at www.cms23.com. Thanks for joining us on the Future Food Show. This episode is part of the New Harvest Fellowship Series. We're excited to have Vanessa Haley Benjamin on today's episode. I had a great conversation with Vanessa, learning really all about the marine world and even being introduced to what a conch is. Over the past 20 years, Vanessa has worked environmental nonprofits, academia, government agencies, in tourism, and as a marine scientist. Her master's research at Florida International University studied the migration of bonefish, and she subsequently received the Marine Science Award from the government of the Bahamas. On this episode, we'll dive into her current work. And without further ado, Vanessa, I would like to welcome you to the Future Food Show. Thank you, and thanks so much for inviting me as a guest. Vanessa, tell us a little bit about where you are right now and your academic background. Currently, I'm in Newcastle in the UK. My academic background, I have a bachelor's and a master's in marine biology. My master's thesis actually studied bonefish movement around the Bahamas. So just a background for the audience so they know what bonefish are. They are a catch and release fish. It's an economically important species for the Bahamas. Um, And I implanted, so surgically implanted, acoustic devices in their abdomen so I can track where the fish go. And that was important. Uh, My background is conservation. I have 20 years in conservation. And so really used the research to guide protection of their critical habitats. Um, Currently, I'm pursuing my PhD in biosciences at Newcastle University in the UK. Wow, that's really interesting that you would have this, would you consider it a tracking device that goes into these fish? Yes, it's a tracking device. It's a $400 tracking device. So you can imagine how nervous I was once I released the bonefish um, back into the ocean because you didn't want it to give off stress signals. So a shark then comes and eats your transmitter that you've just implanted in fish. <laughs> so definitely nerve-wracking, but exciting at the same time. I guess that's the that's the excitement in conservation or being an ecologist. Wow, that's cool. And are you from the Bahamas? Yes, born and raised in the Bahamas. Um, Only left really to pursue my education. So master's and bachelor's took me to the United States. And now my PhD has me in the UK. Wow, very cool. Tell us a little bit about your PhD program and what you're working on in the UK. Yeah, my PhD program now. um, So what I'm doing is I'm working on mollusks. So mollusks are shellfish, shellfish like oyster, clams and scallops. Um, They're also uh, conch. I don't know if if you've ever heard of conch, but it's also a marine mollusk and a delicacy in the Bahamas. So I'll be working with these species 
And I'm trying to understand the different types of cells that are present in the muscle of the of these um, shellfish. So that's the part that we eat. Um, I'd like to isolate the cells out of the muscle and then investigate um, the conditions required for these cells to grow. The thing about mollusks, they're not as well um, studied, let's say, as vertebrates. So um, I think, you know, my, my PhD is entitled Laying the Groundwork for Molluscan Cellular Agriculture. And I think that is the ideal title for a project such as this, because that's exactly what I would like to do. Lay the groundwork. And so mollusk uh, includes, you said, oysters, clams, scallops. That's kind of like the category. Is that correct? Yeah. And they're collectively called bivalves, but I'll also be working with a large gastropod, which is also a mollusk, and it's called a conch. It's in a beautiful shell. There's a beautiful piece of meat that comes in. We eat it many different ways in the Bahamas. We export about 600,000 tons of conch meat um, annually, values about $5 million for the Bahamas. Um, but outside of that, it was once popular in Florida. It, conch went extinct in 1975, still has not recovered. Um, and so I want to explore how to grow these cells. Um, it can be a major source of protein for, for coastal communities, I think. I see. Okay. And what would conch taste like? Ah, conch is chewy. <laughs> I mean, it tastes like it, like calamari to me. Um, you can eat it raw in conch salad. You can eat it in a chowder. Um, you can eat it and um, kind of put bits and pieces in a hush puppy. We call that a conch fritter. Uh, but yeah, there's many different uh, ways you can eat it. Wow. Okay. That's pretty interesting. <laughs> so your program right now is funded through New Harvest, at least partially. Is that correct? Yes, I'm partially funded by uh, New Harvest, and I'm also funded by the Lifer Key Foundation as well, which is a foundation in the Bahamas that supports um, Bahamians pursuing, you know, higher education. How did you hear about New Harvest? <laughs> it was the burger. <laughs> it was Mark Post's lab-grown burger. That, I mean, that had to catch your attention when you saw that. Um, and I was just very curious. I thought it was fascinating. And right after seeing that um, article, I saw a video by Michael Selden. He's the CEO and co-founder of Finless Foods. And I saw that this technology was also being used for fish, where they were isolating um, fish cells to grow fish meat. So that, you know, the light bulb went off because right around that same time, I noticed that conch was on the decline. And I thought to myself, I actually reached out to Michael and I said, well, I have what I think is a crazy idea. I want to grow um, shellfish um, using their cells. What do you think? He's like, it's not a crazy idea after all. And I was like, yes, I'm onto something here, I think. Um, so that's how I found out about Selag, and he pointed me in the right direction. I asked about funding. He pointed me um, in the direction of New Harvest. He said, that's an excellent organization. I applied, and the rest is history. Now I'm a research fellow. That's a good story, and it's it's cool to see that the community really is not only responsive, but also helps each other out. And I, I've seen that in more stories than one, and that's really exciting to hear. Yes, it is.
I'm curious, and I usually ask this question a little bit later on, but would you ever consider starting your own company? Yes, I would love to. I would love to, and, and not only just starting a company, but the location of the company and how how the technology is used. So I really want to get it into, you know, just being from the Bahamas, there are certain things, Alex, that I observe just being closely connected to um, the resource. And I know that the fisheries are on the decline. And I do see CELAG as a practical tool, really, that can that needs to be explored. So yes, it's setting up a company, but the second part of it is working with fisheries managers, working with the conservation community, and exploring ways in which the technology can help um, species recover or help to take some pressures off the fishery and figuring out how to work those two disciplines together. That's what fascinates me most about cellular agriculture. Wow, that's exciting. And it makes me kind of want to take a few steps back and ask about conservation work. And this is definitely very important, but can you maybe tell us a little bit at a high level, the main reasons why this is so important? Yeah, it's the, for me, it's the practicality of the technology. Um, And what do I mean by that? Um, Let's say a fish is declining, right? Due to increased fishing pressure. Usually there are various fisheries management measures that you can take to reduce these pressures that can be implemented. And for example, usually a moratorium can be implemented to reduce fishing pressures, allowing for the species to recover. Now, what I'm thinking about is, can celag be used um, to produce the, the species that you're now protecting? So let's say you need to have a closed season for five years and you say for five years, we cannot catch this species because we want to allow it time to naturally recover. Can we then set up these production units on these islands or in coastal communities that are needed that can then start producing this uh, priority species and relieving some of the pressure? Um, And then secondly, for me, You know, climate change, some of the climate change predictions state that fisheries will move from the tropics and they will head north due to shifts in patterns and sea surface temperatures. And I mean, we've seen the the massive die out of shellfish and the um, on the Pacific coast last summer, I recall now. With all the unpredictability of climate-induced changes to our fisheries, the question is, you know, can cellular agriculture be used to bolster food security? These are just some of the questions that are on top of my head. I mean, my PhD is not in sociology, but this is calling from, not sociology, I guess it is, it's not a social science that I'm doing, but I'm fascinated with the dynamics, but I guess it's just pulling from my background as a marine biologist and really seeing how practical the tool is. And that's what got me into cellular agriculture because I realized that this can actually be used to help with some of the challenges we're facing um, with fisheries and with our oceans. 
I like that perspective because it's not kind of coming in and saying, this is going to completely shift or change how, or, or maybe, you know, how we're doing things, but more of like, this is something that could help bring us to more sustainability in terms of the number of fish in the sea and, and that kind of thing. And, and that's actually a really interesting perspective that I haven't heard before. Yes. And it ha but it has to be done. You know, aquaculture promised to do this, right? I, I remember, and everything that I'm reading is that aquaculture is supposed to relieve fishing pressures, but there was an article that came out that stated otherwise. Um, and I think it has to be synergistically. It has to work together. And you have to, and that's where different disciplines now have to be involved to really guide that discussion. Um, yeah, but I think I, I, I like the concept. I like where it can go. I've had this question in the back of my mind for quite some time, but never exactly knew who would be the perfect person to ask. But I think you might be one of the best people to ask. And so oftentimes for animal welfare reasons, you know, people are vegan. I've heard many times that people that are vegan for animal welfare reasons, opposed to kind of other reasons, um, they, they sometimes eat bivalves because although it is a, an animal, the idea is that there's no central nervous system. Can you comment on that? There is no central nervous system, but there are neurons that are located um, in the muscle. Um, neurons and muscle cells uh, closely work together. And mollusks have a very simple system um, in terms of muscular contractions and movement. And that is why... Um, Scientists are fascinated to understand that, but there are neuron cells in it. Um, and I'm hoping that my research will continue to explore the various different types of cells. They don't have a central nervous system. It's not as, as advanced as like vertebrae. No, it's not as advanced as, advanced as humans, um, but it's a very basic, simple system. Interesting. Okay, so then we don't necessarily know if they would be feeling pain or it would cause suffering to those animals? No, I, I don't, I don't know that. I don't think so, but they do use it for movement. I see. Okay. And it could be that they do know that there are, for example, being eaten. Perhaps. Okay. So I know with mollusks too, um, especially the conch that I'm working with, um, they do, let me see how I could explain. They do give off mucus. So there is some type of response. Um, when I'm working with the, the muscle, it's very important. You may I may have to anesthetize it, right? To take cells because if you don't, they do send, tend to produce mucus, which is the response and you want to limit that. Now, whether or not that equates to, do they feel it? I guess that's, you know, a debate. <laughs> Um, but they do have a basic system. Yeah, I think it's debatable whether or not they feel it. Interesting. And I think it'll also be interesting what kinds of research in the future kind of comes up as we learn more about mollusks. Yes. Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you about the cell ag scene over in the UK. But maybe first I should ask, when did you start your program or when did you move to the UK? Um, October of last year, I moved to the UK. 
I see. Okay. So it was amidst the pandemic. So maybe we haven't seen too many in-person events or anything like that in the UK. Uh, Am I right to say that? Well, we just started. I attended one last week. They're just rearing up. I have one um, scheduled for May that I plan to present at in Birmingham, and it's on cultured meat. And there is another one at Birmingham as well in June, and it's related to cultured meat as well. So definitely in the Northeast, um, the interest is there in setting it up as a hub for cellular agriculture. Um, my principal investigator, my PI, and my co-supervisor both are in tissue engineering um, and culturing cells. So it's a very exciting lab to be in, Dr. Conan's lab and um, Ricardo Gouveia, and working under their tutelage. So very promising. Very cool. And we've had uh, Ricardo on the show before, so it's exciting to hear that name. Yes, (laughs) there you go. (laughs) We also hear Cellular Revolution, a company is also based, I think, in Newcastle. Yes. In the UK in general, we have CellAg UK, and there's also the Cultivated Conference. It seems like there's actually quite a bit of cellular agriculture activity uh, happening in the UK right now. Yeah, there is. Yeah, there is. There's Cellular Revolution, 3D Biotissue, Altellarex, um, and all of those, I'm, I'm proud to say, are outputs um, from my uh, principal investigator, my, my main supervisor, Dr. Conan. Um, so it's great. That's what excites me the most as well, is here you are doing academic research, but here is the potential to have a, a spin out. Um, should everything you have planned goes well in the lab plus more, right? Um, but yeah, so that's what's so exciting about this, that you can go from being, you can work in the lab and, and discovering and, and, and investigating and then turning out to being the CEO or co-founder of your own company, should you wish. And so as a New Harvest Fellow, the upcoming New Harvest Conference is coming up in June of this year. Uh, will you be in attendance? Alex, I am caught between a rock and a hard place because guess what? I am scheduling to have live animals at that time that I need to tend to. Um, If I'm not there in person, I'm hoping to participate. Um, I'm hoping there's a hybrid option for, for me to participate and present my latest research. I see. Okay. The work of a scientist is oftentimes on a very sporadic schedule, I've I've learned. Exactly. <laughs> You know, going back to starting your own company, as your kind of research does continue, is there a particular direction that you would like to go? I think you mentioned that you would like to bring conch to cellular agriculture to be able to turn that into a product. Is that right? Yes, certainly it's working with with shellfish, bivalve, so it can be conch or it can be scallops. I think with the scallops, it may be a bit easier than, let's say, with oyster. Um, when you eat oyster, you, you eat all many different parts of the oysters, not just one, but with scallop, it's, you know, one central part, but I'm, I'm prepared to go where the science takes me. Um, yes, I have an interest in, um, you know, molluscan cellular agriculture and producing the meat to consume. Um, but I am definitely just going to go in the direction that the science takes me. We've seen a a number of cellular agriculture companies popping up, specifically working on oysters. I wanted to ask you about 
uh, the availability of cell lines or existing research around oysters and maybe a light comparison to other types of animals such as popularly beef or chicken, for example. Can you comment on the availability of either cell lines or research for oysters in particular? And, and maybe if the availability might be the reason why we were seeing some of these companies pop up? From what I know, I haven't come across any oyster cell lines. I know that there are a few companies that are interested in pursuing it, but I have not come across it. Um, and I'm thinking it's just, there's been, so mollusks, oysters have been cultured for some 90 years now. Um, but for different reasons, for different applications, not for cellular agriculture. And even though we know some things about culturing the cells, we don't know a lot. We don't know a lot, um, compared to beef you know, growing muscle. And so that has caused that aspect of the science to lag a bit, um, where we don't have access to the cell lines. And it's a catch-22. If you have access to the cell lines, you can work on them more and you can focus on then the next phase and the next step in the process of producing meat. But um, if that doesn't exist, there are some basic fundamental questions you know, that we need to answer pertaining to, you know, how do we isolate the cells that we need and how do we provide the right conditions that they need to grow and, and thrive? But yes, I'm not aware of any cell lines existing. I wish they would. That would make my, my research a bit easier. So if you do know, please do tell me. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. For those listening that are either interested in marine biology or even cellular agriculture or working with cellular agriculture and seafood, what advice do you have for them? Don't be intimidated to get into the industry. I can tell you, um, I didn't know anyone. I used Google. I watched videos. I found the names of persons who, you know, where their work interests me. And with social media, everyone has a LinkedIn page just about or some type of social media page. Don't be afraid to reach out and ask questions. You hit it spot on, Alex, in the beginning when you said how welcoming the community is and how willing they are to just answer questions. And I am an example of that. It's through poking around sending Facebook messages, um, sending emails that I was able to get this wonderful opportunity, asking questions. If you want to know about funding, um, starting your own company, there's so many conferences out there that you can attend, network, make the connections, reach out um, and find out what is available and ask for these opportunities. There, there are many great opportunities to be a research fellow if you want to do research. You want to start your own startup company. I just attended a, um, an in, in innovation hub um, to get information pertaining to that. If you are a graduate student or an undergrad, your university probably has opportunities 
um, to create your own business or to study in a lab and work under someone. It's all about experience. Mentors, you can get mentors as well. So there's a host of different things you can do. And it all starts with a click of a button and sending that email, um, sending that message through social media, asking the questions. There you go. Don't be shy. <laughs> it's not going to get you anywhere being shy. And, and you know, and even if you feel like it's a crazy idea, because I thought mine was crazy. I'm like, there's no way. I'm a marine biologist. Where am I going? And you know what? You can cross over. One thing I've learned about cellular agriculture, that it's pulling in persons from many different backgrounds and disciplines. So you may feel like, okay, I love it, but oh, I can't see myself working in a lab and growing cells, but that's fine. Because guess what? I think we need engineers someone with that background. We need social scientists, fisheries managers, conservations, conservationists, farmers, fishers. And I think the more people we can bring in with a different background and disciplines, the more likely we are in making this a holistic approach if we want, well, I would like to see um, ocean sustainability. And I think all the players would have to, to come to the table. And maybe it's just an aspect of cellular ag you can get into. Um, even regulators, even persons in the legal profession, they may be interested in cell ag, but from a different perspective. We need you too. I've seen that the new Harvest Fellowship Program has been a little bit different from other funders. And, and what I mean by that, it, it seems like there's quite a community around the different fellows and grantees. Can you comment on how or if at all the New Harvest Fellowship Program has been a little bit different than other funders and your experience with that? Usually, you know, I'm used, you know, when you're funded, you get your funds, you write a report and you update your funders and that's it, right? Um, but New Harvest is truly a community. We have our fellows, we have the New Harvest team on Slack that we can reach out to at any time. And there is a host of, of resources and information. And what I like about New Harvest is, is it gives you the opportunity to interact with people in the industry. Um, so they always gives us, they give us opportunities to participate in workshops um, to discuss, you know, the safety or to promote or how do we move forward and ensuring that CELIG is safe. Um, and we're able to, to just, you know, it's just such an enriching experience to be a part of it beyond just your research, but staying abreast of, of the latest that's going on in the industry and engaging in a discussion and having your ideas um, heard and listened to where you're asked for input. So you're, you're, you're truly Alex behind the driver's seat um, to, to, to move the industry forward. And that's what I think that New Harvest provides us. So it's so much more than just funding. You can learn more about New Harvest at www.new-harvest.org, and you can connect with Vanessa on LinkedIn. Vanessa, do you have any last insights for our listeners today? No, it's been such a pleasure. Um, I love coming on and, and sharing um, information about CELAG, and I like to talk to as many persons as possible um, because I think it is something that can really help with our challenges. And so 
I encourage your listeners to certainly learn more about it, follow the necessary, um, follow me, follow New Harvest, follow um, anyone in the industry, and just keep abreast of this. This is a a great uh, technology that I think has many, many diff, um, benefits. And I think this is the future of foods, hence the your appropriately titled podcast. <laughs> I love it. And it's it's really conversations like these that make me feel really optimistic about really the future and sustainability. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Alex. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure indeed. This is your host, Alex, and we look forward to seeing you on our next episode. This program was produced by H Media. See you soon.